Good morning, and welcome to Simply Economics. It's Wednesday, February 14th. On today's show, we discuss whether Evergrande's collapse threatens China's economy and the anticipation of a stock market bubble until 2025. Plus, Malaysia is urged to take bold economic action. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Economics. We start off with the collapse of Chinese property developer Evergrande Group, once the world's largest real estate company, which has raised concerns about potential obstacles to China's economic recovery. Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply Economics. Can you give us a brief overview of how Evergrande reached this point of collapse? Certainly, David. Evergrande Group was established in 1996 during a period of rapid urbanization in China. It quickly diversified into various sectors, such as electric vehicles, finance, healthcare, and tourism. However, its aggressive borrowing and unconventional fundraising led to it becoming the world's most indebted real estate developer. In 2022, its total liabilities exceeded $335 billion, more than 10 times its total revenue, and about 1.8% of Chinese GDP that year. Chinese regulators attempted to curb excess borrowing in the real estate sector starting in 2020, but these restrictions backfired and tipped the property industry into crisis, severely impairing Evergrande's balance sheets. What has driven China's property boom that Evergrande was a part of? The property boom in China was primarily driven by two major housing reforms over the past four decades that transformed China's socialistic housing towards privatization and marketization. This led to a rapid increase in homeownership and a significant boost in both housing and non-housing consumption. However, it also resulted in a sustained spike in housing costs, land prices, and vacancy rates. Additionally, the Chinese government's prolonged financial repression policies have resulted in limited alternative investment options for households, fueling speculative investment in the housing market. Could Evergrande's bankruptcy have broader contagion effects or signal a sustained threat to China's growth? Evergrande's bankruptcy is unlikely to immediately trigger a contagion across the entirety of China's financial system. However, it does exacerbate the problem of weak investor and consumer confidence in the Chinese economy. It brings another negative confidence shock to Chinese households and is likely to put more potential home buyers on the fence about buying. This weakens housing market demand growth, dragging down the broader property sector, which constitutes nearly 30% of the Chinese economy. How could this situation change the view of China among global investors? Beijing's lack of willingness to support households amid its anti-espionage campaigns and tenuous relationship with the West increases policy uncertainty and risk premium in China. If foreign bondholders are not paid back in the course of the forced liquidation, it would be another blow to investor confidence in the Chinese economy. Global investors need to be aware that structural problems within the Chinese economy remain unresolved and are beyond an easy fix by China's fiscal and monetary policies. That was Simply Economics reporter Bella. Thanks so much for being here. Now let's shift our focus to a bold prediction made by John Higgins, the chief markets economist at Capital Economics. 
He believes that the current stock market bubble will continue to inflate until the end of 2025, with the S&P 500 index potentially reaching 6,500 points by then. Here to delve into this forecast is Abby, a correspondent for Simply Economics. Can you tell us more about Higgins' prediction? Absolutely, David. Despite ongoing debates about the stock market bubble, Higgins is sticking to his view that it will continue to inflate through the end of next year. His forecast of 6,500 for the S&P 500 index is based on its valuation reaching a similar level to its peak during the dot-com mania. He also sees the potential economic benefits of generative AI as a key driver of this inflation. That's quite a prediction. But what does Higgins say about the uncertainty surrounding the bubble? Higgins acknowledges that it's impossible to know how quickly a bubble will inflate, how big it will get before it bursts, what will cause it to burst, and when it will burst. However, he believes that a bubble in the S&P 500 will continue to inflate in the meantime against the backdrop of a modest rise in forward 12-month EPS. And what are other experts saying about the stock market bubble? There's a lot of debate on this topic. Some experts, like tech venture capitalist Gene Munster, dismiss fears of an imminent AI bubble burst, stating that the market is at the beginning of a three to five year tech run. Todd Gordon, the founder of Inside Edge Capital, also argues that it's too early to call the stock market a bubble, pointing to the potential for technological improvements to drive returns higher for investors. However, Others have warned about the market concentration of tech giants, drawing parallels between the current market structure and the dot-com bubble of the early 2000s. That's a lot to consider. How significant is the market concentration of these tech giants? It's quite significant. The combined share of the MSCI USA Index's top 10 stocks, including the prominent Magnificent Seven technology giants, has escalated to a significant 29.3% in December. This is approaching the historical peak of 33.2% witnessed in June 2000 during the height of the dot-com bubble. Thank you for your insights, Abby. As we continue to monitor global economic trends, let's shift our focus to Malaysia. The Malaysian economy has once again demonstrated its resilience, achieving a growth rate of 3.3% in the third quarter of 2023. However, the country's economic focus extends beyond just growth, with concerns over inflation, fiscal space, and sources of tax revenue, among others. Here to delve deeper into this is our correspondent. James, could you provide us with more insight into the current economic situation in Malaysia? Certainly, David. Since taking office in late 2022, Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim has been managing the national economic discourse, addressing concerns on a range of issues. One of the key challenges has been inflation, which increased due to the war in Ukraine, affecting the price of fertilizers, animal feed, and agricultural produce. This led to a rise in the price of food imports, causing inflationary pressures. And how has the government been dealing with these inflationary pressures? Over the course of 2023, inflation moderated, but the price levels did not return to those experienced before the COVID-19 pandemic. The Consumer Price Index was 129.9 points in January 2023 and 130.9 points in October and November 2023. Both headline and core inflation declined in the third quarter to 2 and 2.5% respectively. What about Malaysia's fiscal situation? 
The fiscal situation has been a major point of debate. Concerns persist over large government debts, rising operating expenditure, inadequate tax revenue, and the continued burden of subsidies. The federal government's total debt and liabilities at the end of 2022 was about 1.45 trillion, or 80.9% of GDP, an amount that is not desirable. This demands tough measures, including a willingness to take bold action or the ease of mind to pass the problem to the next government. What steps has the government taken to address these issues? The government has launched the Central Database Hub, or PADU, a centralized socioeconomic database containing comprehensive details on individuals to efficiently deliver targeted subsidies. In 2023, electricity subsidies were cut and it was announced that diesel subsidies would be implemented in phases in 2024. The government has also been reluctant to reintroduce the goods and services tax, often citing it as a political problem. What about the performance of the Malaysian ringgit? The Malaysian ringgit fell as low as Form 70 to the US dollar in December 2023. While the slide in domestic currencies was felt across many countries across the world, the ringgit performed especially poorly attracting criticism from some quarters. What are the government's plans for the future? The government has outlined its policy agenda through several plans, including the midterm review of the 12th Malaysia Plan, New Industrial Master Plan 2030, the National Energy Transformation Roadmap, and Madani Economy Framework. These plans lay a map for Malaysia's development, with an emphasis on digitization, climate change, and environmental, social, and governance creating new drivers of growth. Good governance and a corruption-free economy are also key areas of focus. What can we expect for 2024? 2024 might be kinder than 2023 was, though not without some obstacles. Anti-corruption efforts will likely meet resistance, and despite the coalition's two-thirds majority in parliament, one could expect continual attempts at disruption. Clearly outlined priorities and policy firmness will count throughout 2024. The government should spur itself into choosing the road less taken. That will require boldness and resolve. After hearing from Simply Economics reporter James about the Malaysian economy, let's shift our focus back to the US, where Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, recently toured West Penn Hospital in Pittsburgh, emphasizing that healthcare is indeed an economic issue. She was accompanied by U.S. Congresswoman Summer Lee. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent. Can you tell us more about Yellen's visit and her statements? Certainly, David. During her visit, Yellen highlighted the Biden administration's policy achievements, particularly in the realm of health care. She pointed out that nearly one in 10 adults are burdened with medical debt, according to the health policy nonprofit KFF. Furthermore, a report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found that more than 8% of Americans between 18 and 64 report not taking prescription medication due to the cost. That's quite concerning. What solutions did Yellen propose to address these issues? Yellen stated that the Biden administration finds it unacceptable that some Americans have to choose between their health and other needs, like putting food on the table. She pointed to the reduction in the uninsurance rate, which dropped to a historic low of 7.7% last year. This can be partly attributed to the Inflation Reduction Act, which lowered the costs of monthly premiums on health insurance exchanges by expanding tax credits. 
the administration aims to make these cost savings permanent. And how does this Inflation Reduction Act impact Medicare beneficiaries? For Medicare beneficiaries, the Inflation Reduction Act caps the cost of insulin at $35 a month and makes certain vaccines available with no out-of-pocket costs. Beyond this act, the Biden administration is also working to give American consumers more predictability and control of their finances by protecting them from medical debt, surprise billing, and misleading insurance products. Interesting. And why was West Penn Hospital chosen for this tour? West Penn Hospital was likely chosen because it has a nurses' union and is part of the Allegheny Health Network, not UPMC. UPMC has been criticized in Democratic circles for having anti-labor practices. This visit could be seen as a nod to institutions that support labor rights. That was a great analysis, Celeste. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Economics. We'll see you back here tomorrow.